0: Okay, so we need a preacher for this Sunday. The topic is serving. We've had a few nominations. One of them is Dan McCandless. What do you guys think? He parks like a mile down the road every Sunday. He's the only one that takes out the trash. Well, he does have lovely blonde hair. So when it comes to Dan McCandless, are you ready to vote? Yep. Let's vote. Well, two out of three, I guess we'll let him preach. Oh, man. Yeah. You wonder what these jerks do all day with their free time, you know? (laughs) So Margie and I are just back from a trip to the Holy Land. We had this awesome time. No tour. We just went the two of us just to explore, and we spent eight days running where Jesus walked, kind of seeing where the events of Scripture unfolded. It was awesome. You know, the events of Scripture come to life when you're there in the places where they actually happened. It was like we could see the the pages of the Bible coming to life under our feet and before our eyes. We had an awesome time. It is a great faith builder. And on the Second to last day, I think it was. We were in Jerusalem. We, were, uh, we had a really full day planned. We thought we'd retrace the steps of Jesus last week on earth. So we started on the Mount of Olives, and we walked down the mount to the Garden of Gethsemane. We spent some time there. We went to the southern steps of the temple. That was Jesus' favorite teaching spot when he was in Jerusalem. From there, we went to the site of the upper room where he celebrated Passover and the, the Last Supper with his disciples. It's where he washed his disciples' feet. From there we went to the courtyard of Caiaphas, the high priest. He was the one who condemned Jesus to death. It was in that same courtyard where Peter denied Jesus three times on that fateful night. We were there. And then we went and we took the probably the most reliable path that Jesus took on his way to the cross. While he carried his cross... We kind of followed that path all the way to Golgotha. That was the hill where Jesus was most likely crucified. From there, just a short distance away, was the likely site of the tomb where he was buried just for a short time, but then resurrected from the dead after three days. It was an awesome day, a very full day because our normal routine was we would take our Bible and we'd go to the site. And we'd read the passage that was associated with the site. And again, it it comes alive when you're there. And then we'd we'd pray and just ask God, what are you you showing us? What are you teaching us? And we'd worship. We brought our worship music. We had our earbuds. And so we're in this place. We're reading the scripture. We're letting God speak to us. We're worshiping. And then we're just reflecting on the events that took place on the site 2,000 years ago. Amazing. Amazing faith builder. Because you come home full of faith, on fire for God, and totally physically exhausted. You know why? A lot of walking, a lot of praying, a lot of worshiping, a lot of reflecting, and that was our experience, exhausted after a full day, but an amazing day like that. So at the end of this day, we decided to stop for a falafel on our way out of the Jaffa Gate, one of the gates going to where we were staying. So we stopped at this little cafe near Jaffa Gate, ordered our food, and our falafel cook said it would be a few extra minutes. He was changing over the oil, and he wanted to make us a perfect falafel, and we said, that sounds good. He said, if you don't mind waiting, we said, we don't mind. It was a great time to get off our feet for just a few moments. It felt good to sit and just relax for a couple minutes while they prepared our food. While we were there, Margie and I were just talking about the events of the day. It was an amazing day. We had a lot to reflect on. We talked about what moved us, what challenged us, what motivated us, what was different than what we expected. So much to talk about because we'd experienced so much. So we're there for about five minutes. Our food's still not ready yet. That's okay. But a shopkeeper who is kind of across, we're on a side street just off this main intersection, kind of really an alley, just about 15 feet away. This shopkeeper, I think he has some sort of jewelry souvenir shop, kind of walks across this alley. And he interrupts our conversation. He says, excuse me, may I have a moment of your time? (laughs) And I knew what I was thinking. The last thing I want to do at the end of this day is haggle with some character over some overpriced trinkets. So I firmly but politely said, no thanks. Hey, we're all set. We're good. We're not interested in buying anything. But he wouldn't take no for an answer. He said, no, 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 no. I, I don't want to sell you anything. I would just like a few moments of your time." So I look at my wife, she's not getting up. I was kind of hoping she would, so I go, you know what, against my better judgment, I decide to oblige this guy. So I stand up and I whisper a short, heartfelt prayer to God, I said, God, if this is a divine appointment, I'm in, I'm available. But if this is some sales job, you get me out of this conversation fast. (laughs) Right, it was real. This is a real prayer. God loves those. <laughs> so he walks me over to his shop. It literally was about four steps just like this right here. And I'm standing in front of him, and I'm, I'm waiting for the sales pitch. I'm, just, I'm ready for it. I'm rehearsing my answer. And so he looks at me, and with all sincerity, in a soft voice, instead of trying to sell me something or introduce me to his shop, he, he says, uh... I've been watching you, and uh, I must speak to you. He said it this way. He actually said, please forgive me, but I must speak to you. I've been watching you for a few moments. There's a different spirit in you. He said, there's a spirit in you with no fight. He said, I know because it's lifting me up. So he kind of freaked me out. I was not ready for that. I had only been rehearsing my no thank you, not interested speech. I was... So not knowing what to say, I kind of said, uh, what's your name anyway? And he says, my name is Khalil. And so before I could ask Khalil a, another question to kind of stall and kind of get my bearings about what I'm going to say, he says, tell me, what do you do? And I kind of go, well, I'm a, I'm a minister. I'm a pastor of a Christian church back in the U.S. And he said, ah, that's why you talk so loud. (laughs) My wife just rolls her eyes. She's like, oh, you only knew. But then Khalil continued. He says, there's a different spirit around you. It's lifting up everyone around you. What is it? And so Margie and I spent the next five minutes telling our new friend Khalil, the shopkeeper, about the spirit that's inside us. Amen. The one who has no fight in him. The one who lifts people up. It was awesome. You know, he's right, you know. Khalil's right. There is a different spirit in me. There's one, he's a spirit that impacts those around me, who lifts people up. Here's the truth. You have him too. Amen. He's inside you. It's the spirit of Jesus. You know what scripture says? Scripture says that those who follow Jesus, God implants the spirit of Jesus, his holy spirit, and he resides in us. It's the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. He's powerful. He's really powerful, even when you don't realize it. In fact, he implants his joy and his peace and his love in you. It's, so, it's palpable. It's especially palpable to someone who's unfamiliar with the spirit. And this same spirit, you know what he does? He equips you. And he empowers you to, to love people and to serve people. And it's his very spirit. It's the spirit of Jesus that resides in you that lifts people up. It can lift up everyone around you. I want you to turn with me to John chapter 13. It's our passage for this morning. John chapter 13. Pull out your Bible. We're going we're to read a story. It's probably... The best example of serving in all of Scripture, I know many of you are familiar with this passage, so I'm quickly going to summarize it for the sake of time. We've alluded to it already because it's where Jesus has a Passover meal with his disciples. Remember, it's it's about a day before he's going to be crucified. But he sets up this meal. He's going to the cross in less than a day. But before he does, Jesus plans the Passover with his twelve disciples closest friends. And at this meal, Jesus does something that's astonishing. It says that Jesus gets up from the meal, he puts a towel around his waist, and then he begins to wash the feet of his disciples. He begins to wash the feet of his followers, and it blows them away. They are dumbfounded. You know why? Because Jesus, their teacher, their leader, their rabbi, the one that they've proclaimed as the true and only son of God and Messiah of the world is now washing their feet. He's washing the feet of his followers, someone beneath him. And they cannot believe it. A little bit later in the passage, Jesus explains why he did this for them. He says, I'm doing it because I want to set an example for you before I go. Because I want you to follow my example. I want you to serve as I've served. I want you to wash the feet of one another. That's what I'm leaving in your stead. I've set an example for you. But I still look at this passage and I'm like a disciple. I still can't believe what he did. I mean, the cross was less than, it's hours away, the cross. He knows what's coming. And yet Jesus is sitting at dinner with his friends and his mind, his heart is that of a servant as he sat at dinner with his disciples. I want you to put yourself in Jesus' place because otherwise you won't get the impact of this. What would you have been thinking about knowing the cross was hours away? In fact, talk about it in your community group this week. You want to have a good discussion? What would consume your thoughts and your mind while you're at dinner, knowing the cross is hours away, knowing what is, going to, is coming your way? Beatings, scourgings, poundings, spittings. Talk about that in your group. You'll have a great conversation. But the question this morning is, what was Jesus thinking when he got up to serve his disciples? What was his mindset? What... What he, could he possibly be thinking at that point when he got up to serve? Here's the good news. Scripture tells us. It's right there in the text. It tells us exactly what Jesus is thinking. And I want to I know what Jesus is thinking. Here's why. Because if we can know what Jesus is thinking when he serves, if we can know what his mindset, what his motivation is when he serves, we can then align our thinking and our mindset and our motivation to his. Why? Because We're to become like Jesus. We're to have this mind of Christ. We're supposed to follow his example, so we need to know what was he thinking, what's his mindset when he serves. We need to adopt it as our own. It's the right one. And when we do, we'll start to serve like Jesus. We'll start to love like Jesus. We'll display the love of Jesus like never before. And you know what'll happen? The spirit that resides in us will lift people up. They'll be drawn to the Savior because of the one who lives inside you. So, Scripture tells us precisely what Jesus was thinking when he got it from the table to serve his disciples. It's right there in the text. We're going to read it right now, starting in verse 1 of chapter 13, right before the foot washing. It says this, it was just before the Passover feast, Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, his disciples, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot To betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. Did you catch it? Did you see what Jesus was thinking, what his mindset was when he got up to serve? It's right there in verse 3. We better reread it. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, that he had come from God, and he was returning to God. That's what Jesus was thinking. That was his mindset when he got up to wash the feet of his disciples. It was focused on three truths. You know what it was? Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. He knew that he had come from God, and he knew he was returning to God. You could say it this way. Jesus knew his mission, his identity, and his destiny. Jesus knew that he had all things under his power. He had complete confidence in what he was able to do, whether it was wash the feet of some disciples or go to the cross. He knew he had everything he needed, every resource necessary at his disposal so he could give himself freely to serving others. He knew his mission. In fact, he said it this way in Mark's gospel. Jesus said, I came not to be served, but to serve. And to give my life as a ransom for many. I did not come to be served. I came to serve. I came as a servant. It's my mission. It's what I'm all about. I wash feet. I go to the cross as a servant. Jesus knew his mission. That's what he was thinking about as he got up to serve. Not only that, Jesus also knew where he came from. He knew that he had come from God. He had complete confidence in who he was. He had complete confidence in his identity. His identity as God's son. In fact, I would imagine he remembered the affirming words that his heavenly father spoke over him at both his baptism and transfiguration while he sat at the table. He probably remembered that God the father said, this is my son Jesus whom I love. In him I'm well pleased. Jesus Gathered confidence, knowing his identity, who he was as God's son. He knew that. He thought that. That was his mindset as he got up to serve those needier than him. And lastly, he knew he was returning to God. He knew where he was going. Jesus knew he was headed for the right hand of the Father. He knew there were some events between now and then, but he knew ultimately where he was going to end up. His future was secure. His eternity was sure. He knew that. So he knew he could endure anything. There was no service beneath him or too low or too much for him to handle, knowing where he was going. His future was certain. That was Jesus' mindset, his thinking, when he got up to serve the disciples and wash their feet. Confident of who he was and where he was going, knowing he had all things under his power. Here's the deal. It's the exact same mindset that you and I need to have when we serve people. It's the mindset you and I need to adopt as we go and serve those in front of us. It has to be our mindset. It's the mind of Christ. It's the proper mindset for anyone who serves. And I can hear what you're thinking right now. You're saying, whoa, 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 he's Jesus. I'm not Jesus. I mean, that's him. Of course he had that kind of confidence and security. He knows his mission and his identity and his destiny. He's the Son of God. He can wash dirty feet. He can stay true to his mission and still have his identity intact because he's Jesus. I'm not Jesus. I heard you guys thinking that. You're right, you're not Jesus. That's true. But I'm here to tell you that Scripture declares that the same truths that apply to Jesus apply to the followers of Jesus. These truths apply to you and me, those who follow Jesus. These truths apply to us. Scripture over and over makes the case that people who carry the Spirit of God inside them already have everything they need. They already have everything they need for godliness, for serving, for pleasing God because of the one who lives inside you. It was Jesus himself who tells his disciples that after he's gone, he said, the spirit that I leave with you will teach you all things, remind you of everything you've been taught, guide you into all truth, and empower you to live joyfully and confidently. Read John 14 and 15 right after the foot washing. That's what he says to them. He doesn't stop there. Jesus said that everything the Father has given to me, I give to you. Everything the Father has given to me, which is everything, I'm giving to you. So the truth is, we have everything we need because what the Father gave to Jesus, he entrusted to us. We have everything. It's all at our disposal. I just don't think you believe it. I don't think I believe it most of the time. But that's what Scripture says. That's what Jesus says. So I guess you got to believe Jesus on this one. He also said this. He says, I've put my spirit inside you. I leave my spirit with you. It's the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. You know what? I think you're better equipped than you think. I think you're a better resource than you know. If you have the Spirit of God, the same one that raised Jesus from the dead, I think you're okay. I think you're ready for just about anything because of the one who lives inside you. You just got to believe it. You got to entrust yourself to it. It's Christ who lives in you and through you. It's no longer who I who live, it's Christ in me who's the hope of glory. The question is do we believe it? Do we live like it? Because if we did, we'd serve. If we did, we'd serve joyfully, easily, confidently if we believed it. If you don't believe Jesus, Paul makes the same case. In Romans 5, he says this. In Romans 8, he says this. If God didn't withhold his son, there's nothing good he'd withhold. In fact, he's given everything to you. He goes on to tell the Philippian believers, in fact, you can do all things through Jesus. All things through Christ who strengthens you. Because of the one who lives inside you. It's the spirit of Jesus in you. So, Jesus and Paul make a case that you and I, we are ready and equipped for everything. We are ready to serve, to give, to sacrifice because of the one placed in us, because of what Jesus has entrusted to us. That's our mission, to be like him. The question is do you and I believe it? It starts with believing the truth. Friends, this is the truth. You and I need to start believing it, and then we'll live it. Because this presence in you, the presence of Jesus in you will lift people up. The ones you serve, his spirit will do the work if you'll step into it. As far as your identity, you are not Jesus. You are not the son of God. But you know what Ephesians 1 says? It says you're adopted sons and daughters into his family because of God's love for you. First John says the same thing. You know what John writes? He says, we're adopted as sons and daughters into God's family. And he adds, I know it's too good to be true, but it's true. That's what we are. First John 3, 1 John 3.1. Our identity is equal to Jesus as sons and daughters of God the Father. When you believe that you're an adopted son or daughter of the Heavenly Father, you know what? you got confidence. You have joy. You have security. Because sons and daughters serve from a position of confidence and security. You're not worried about earning your father's approval. You're not worried about proving yourself to your father. You know what a son does? He stewards the father's resources. That's our job. That's our role. We steward the resources of the father. Unlimited resources of the father entrusted to us, we steward them by dispensing them to people who need it. That's what we get to do as sons and daughters. And like Jesus, we can know where we're going. We are headed to be with the Father in heaven. Our eternity is secure. Jesus has actually secured it for us by going to the cross. We're going to celebrate that in just a couple of minutes at the Lord's table. It's because of what Jesus did on our behalf that we're sure of heaven. Jesus went away, and in John 14, he told his disciples, his anxious disciples, I'm going away, but I'm going to prepare a place for you. So you can be with me for eternity. It gave them great confidence, great courage, great security. You know what? He's made the exact same claim to you and I, that we can be assured of our eternity, sure of our future when we put our faith and trust in Jesus. Those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus have nothing to worry about. I've read the end of the book. It's good. It's good. It's secure. It's set. It's a lock. Jesus took care of it for us. You can know where you're going, and it's a done deal. You don't have to worry about it, don't have to hope for it, don't have to anxiously pray for it. You've got it if you've got Jesus. You know what happens? When you believe this to be true, and frankly, it's all scripture, this is not my ideas, when you believe these truths for yourself, the only appropriate response is to serve, is to do what Jesus modeled for us and give your life away, lay your life down, serve those who need it. It gives you great joy great great contentment great purpose we serve joyfully excitedly eagerly same mindset same motivation as jesus same thinking as jesus you know why because we know we already have everything we need because of the spirit that lives inside us there's nothing we lack because of the one who's in us we serve as sons and daughters knowing all we got to do is steward the father's resources it's not on us we're just stewards of what he entrusts to us it's simple it's easy it's a, it's a joy, it's a treat. We get to please the Father and take care of needs of others. It's awesome. And when you know your eternity is secure, you'll, you'll do anything. There's no serving that's beneath you. There's no serving that's too hard. Because if you've been assured eternity in heaven, who cares if it's difficult or challenging now? It's no big deal. Knowing your eternity is secure. It's the only appropriate response when you believe the truth about you. The truth that Scripture speaks of you that you can, you can know you have everything you need, that you're a favorite son or daughter of the Father in heaven, and all you have to do is entrust, you have, you're entrusted with his resources and you have to dispense it to those who need it, and that your eternity is secure. It makes you a servant with the mindset, with the motivation of Jesus himself. It's exactly what he wants. We will do as he's done. Sound good? Yeah. Let me pray for us. So Father in heaven, this is too good to be true but it's true because it's scripture Jesus said it, the apostle Paul said it your word says it and it's awesome help us to believe it we believe it because we're so broken and so insecure and so small and so weak help us to believe that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us and it's no longer we who live but Christ who lives through us Help us, God, to believe that we really are adopted sons and daughters of yours. We don't have to earn your approval. We don't serve to get you to like us or look favorably on us. We serve to steward what you've entrusted to us. We want to please you, Father. We want to bless those that you love. And help us to believe that our eternity is secure. So whatever we're called to do, whatever is in front of us, whatever the need is that we can meet, help us to step into it and take care of it knowing We've got eternity with you, so there's nothing to fear. God, help us to believe the truth about us, the truth that you secured for us, the truth that you've given us in Jesus and through Jesus. That's our prayer this morning. We say, have your way with us. In your name, amen. You know, when you adopt the mindset of Jesus, when you believe these truths to be real and true for you, You will do as Jesus done. You know what Jesus did on that night? I told you that he washed the feet of his disciples. That wasn't his greatest act of service. Because I told you a few hours later, after he washed their feet, you know what he did? He went into a courtyard where he was condemned to die. And he had a crown of thorns jammed on his head and he was beaten silly. He was spat upon. He was scourged and scorned. He was mocked and humiliated. And then they they took him and they pounded him to a cross you know why because jesus knew his mission was to serve whether it was washing feet or going to the cross he was a servant because when you know these truths to be for you you not only serve but you lay your life down you give your life away that's exactly what jesus did for us that's what we celebrate today i just want to remind you what we celebrate is so awesome to be at the table the bread and the cup We celebrate that Jesus' broken body and shed blood purchased our salvation. It covered our sin debt. We're clean before God because of what Jesus did. I gotta remind you, it's this beautiful exchange that Jesus made for us. It was, you know, he was broken so we could be healed. You know, he was condemned so we could be set free. He was killed so we could live. That's what we're celebrating today. That's how awesome our savior is. So we're going to celebrate it now. Scripture says that on that same night we're talking about, during this dinner, Jesus took a loaf of bread, broke it, and he said, this is my body that's going to be broken for you. Let's pray. So Father Jesus, I should say, we thank you for your broken body. We thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for your servant-hearted sacrifice on our behalf, that you would go and endure the the beating, the broken body so we could be healed. We are a grateful people as we remember what you took on your body, in your body, on our behalf. We thank you for it now. In your name, Jesus. Amen. my body broken for you, do this and remember me. Scripture says in the same way after dinner, Jesus took the cup and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. It it covers your sin. Let's pray. So God, we just thank you for your shed blood on our behalf. We know that without the shed blood, there's no forgiveness of sins, but you shed real blood, forgives our sins, makes us clean, so we can stand before you clean, righteous, not because of what we've done, but because of what you've done on our behalf. That's That's the power of the cross. That's the power of your blood. And we are a grateful people because of the blood, standing before you righteous, holy, because of what you did for us. We remember you. We remember your shed blood that purchased our forgiveness now. And we thank you in your name, Jesus. Amen.